0: If you can do me a favor, you know, if you ain't that busy If you could throw us down a couple blessings, you know, like One that I don't mess up being a manager
1: (sighs) We're just three cats that never played a single snap Here to tell you how to draft, win the ship, and run it back the stats ain't tell the story, this the story of the stats You can stick it to your friends, what's
0: more glorious than that? We're victorious in rap, bringing wrath to our rivals We're here to shun the stats, laugh, and lead you all the titles Stick to the path and follow us disciples The only sin is math and all you need is the Bible It's the
1: fantasy Bible It's the
0: fantasy
1: Bible It's the fantasy Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Bible. Uh, I'm your host, Nate Binder, here with me today for the first time this week, and myself for the first time this week is Dane. Dane, how are you doing?
0: Doing great. Thanks for asking. Excited to be back in the mix with you guys. Thanks for listening and being such a devoted uh, Fantasy Bible followers. Love it.
1: Yeah, we had to take some time off, but we're back. Uh we're gonna have do a segment on today's episode that I personally think, you know, we've had some fun the past few weeks, and we're getting back to uh The grind with this segment, it's a very typical segment, but one that I believe you will find very useful, and that is trade deadline targets.
0: Yes. So for you guys in the mix for playoffs, if you're looking to make that final push, this is the time to get those trade talks going and, uh, you know, try to capitalize on some players who could help you make that championship run.
1: Yep. And uh, fantasy uh, football trade deadlines are usually set to a week or two after the NFL Trade deadline to let the ramifications of that kind of play out in the league, give people a chance to react to that, although obviously not much going on in that situation. Uh, so before we get into these uh, these these targets here, Dan, do you want to let the people know where they can find us on social media?
0: At Fantasy Bible Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and thefantasybible.com. And we are live on YouTube Sunday mornings at 11.45 a.m. Eastern Time. To give you a rundown, quick Q and A, last minute start sit advice. So come join us; it's a lot of fun.
1: Yes, after a drama filled week, a uh, big day of football. I'm very excited for it. I did not get to watch a ton of football last Sunday because, uh, you know, Halloween kind of got in the way. So um, excited for it to watch that. Also tonight, well, if you're listening to this, this all have already happened. But Boomy did pick the Jets. Uh, the the my backed by Mike White. <laughs> To uh cover the spread against the Colts. So if that happens, he will be what seven he's, and two?
0: Correct. Yeah, he's six and two as of recording. Hopefully, or you're waking up on Friday morning listening to this, and hopefully the Jets covered the spread. He'll be seven and two if that's the case. Pretty good. Some doggone good odds there. I'll work um, on I'll work on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> doggone good
1: odds. Uh yeah. <laughs> but I mean, listen, six and two at this point, you can pretty much like know that there's something real to this going on. I mean, there's no no one, no one is picking like this at a rate like this. So yeah, I would, I would start following us on Instagram again on the boomy situation. Um, I'm seeing now on the mystery doc that I have a uh, mystery question. Um, So allow me to come up with one. All right. I think I have one. Um, Which quarterback like let's say, say this was week one and, uh, the rest of the season, there were only what nine games left in in the, in the season or well between now and the rest of the season, not counting the first eight weeks, which quarterback do you think will finish higher Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes?
0: And from this this point on, just, yeah, I I could have asked that a lot
1: lot more simply, but yeah.
0: So Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes, you said Mm -hmm. interesting. Um, That's a tough question because both Herbert and Mahomes are kind of in a little bit of a slump right now. Uh, Herbert looked probably better than Mahomes at the beginning of the year, I would say, pretty much, you know, objectively, that's the truth there. Um, I want to say the Chiefs turn it around and, you know, start firing on all cylinders, but I'm not sure that Patrick Mahomes can... uh, just quickly get out of the slump he's in right now but Justin Herbert is also dealing with a throwing hand injury which is allegedly not hindering him according to the coaching staff in the Chargers locker room but this is a very tough question honestly and it's a good one um
1: well it's it's two very different issues because the issue to me at least with Mahomes is Mahomes himself is is the problem I mean he's pressing he's overthrow he's like not hitting receivers he normally he's not making throws that he used to make in his sleep essentially so that he is like playing poorly and now people can say and this may be true that you know relying on two playmakers in your offense for so long is eventually not going to be sustainable. Um, and and I think we've kind of seen that as well. So obviously when something like this happens, it's always a mix of things. But to me, it's like Mahomes is not playing well or not playing up to his standard at least. Whereas yeah. Herbert, I think, is playing very well. But I think the offensive play calling and the offensive design is hindering him more than anything else. The uh, con- still conservative play calling on first down, you know, mm-hmm. short targets, n- not making the most out of an offense that's equipped with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. So, uh, and, and solid depth too. And, and Jaron cook and Jalen guidance uh, and that rookie Josh Palmer. So, yeah, I, th- I think for me, it's probably easier to fix scheme mid season than, you know, mechanics but if it's all mental for Mahomes he could snap back next week and you know so it'll be interesting to see I mean that 20 to 17 Giants game is like not what you wanted to see from in a in a supposed get right situation Um, so I'm leaning Herbert a little bit
0: yeah I think I'm leaning Herbert as well Um, I just think he's looked more explosive on the field so far from what we've seen and yeah like you said I believe that it's a lot easier easier to unleash the physical talent of Justin Herbert than it is to uh, count on remedying whatever Patrick Mahomes has going on whether that's in his in his mental state or uh, you know whatever's whatever's psyching him out of these games and a lot of it is due to the defensive schemes the defenses that face the Chiefs now are just going with that three-man rush drop eight and just keep everything in front of the in front of the defense and Mahomes He's proven to just want to make too much out of plays, and he's not taking what the defense is giving to him. He's just kind of trying to be he- play hero ball too much, and that's his problem, I think.
1: It's very similar to how teams shut down the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, and it reminds me a lot of like Carson Wentz last year. About like, you know he was always trying to make the big play happen, and yeah. then it got into situations where he ended up pressing. And you look at the Eagles this year, terrible. I mean, not, not that the Eagles are good now, but they weren't running the ball they weren't producing because of it. And then they had a get right game where they were able to start running the ball and do some different things schematically. That's just an example of how like, you know, your offense can change over the course of the season, but your personnel is your personnel. So um, yeah, it should be interesting to see what happens there. Do you want to get into these trade deadline targets?
0: Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, Who's your first. All right. My first is wide receiver T Higgins. He's on a very explosive Bengals offense. We didn't see too much of that explosion last week when they lost to the Jets, but I believe T. Higgins is a solid wide receiver two that you can buy for probably a wide receiver three price, or at least close to it. Um, I think he'll have better games ahead of him. He's a big part of the offense, whether you want to pay attention to it or not, because Jamar Chase is just doing something special to his rookie season. But T. Higgins is is somebody that uh, Joe Burrow relies on to move the ball. And he's not making as flashy of plays, but he is heavily involved uh, the last few weeks with targets, and he did score a touchdown, had a good week last week. I think we'll see him more heavily involved as the year goes on and defenses try to take away Jamar Chase and the deep ball. That's about what the Jets did. Uh, Jamar Chase did score one touchdown against them, but we saw a strong performance out of an abysmal Jets team and you know their mythology methodology excuse me was to (laughs) take away that deep ball and so if defenses cue in on that a bit more we'll need a lot more out of t higgins and even maybe tyler boyd underneath while jamar chase is clearing out that middle portion of the field and i trust joe burrow to get to get his open receivers the ball and you know i'm not saying t higgins is going to be better than jamar chase for the rest of the year but i think his value will improve from this point and it's probably as as a bunch of a buy low as you can get on that bengal's offense
1: yeah, so the thing you have to start to look at at this point in the season is like who are guys that have disappointed in in the draft capital that was invested in them despite the fact that like you might be looking at their production and say, hey, I could I could live with that compared to what I got in certain positions, but someone that spent I don't know what a fifth on T Higgins um or or higher,
0: you know, fifth or six probably yeah. yeah,
1: um or lower yeah <laughs> uh, so so yeah, I think that's a good candidate. I mean, like you said, high octane offense jamar chase is there now to take away the primary coverage um they they are a pass first offense they're often going five wide t higgins is almost always on the field plays a very specific role as a you know contested catch possession guy um and he yeah he had like 15 targets in that game not too long ago was that
0: that was that, the ravens yeah that
1: was the ravens i can't remember how many targets he had in the uh, Jets game.
0: Yeah. Uh, So I'm looking back and it was actually only six targets against the the Jets when the Bengals couldn't get a lot going. And I, I apologize. He did not have a touchdown, but he did have 97 receiving yards. So he was a big part of that offense uh, production last week. So I I do figure he'll be around 70 yards in a week. And then, you know, plenty of opportunity for touchdowns on that offense. They have the Cleveland Browns this week, then they have a bye, but then they have the Raiders and then a not so great matchup against Pittsburgh. Um, So, I mean, the matchups aren't what you're after here. I think it's just relying on the talent of that offense and Joe Burrow and T. Higgins to be a bit more necessary for them to win games than just throwing deep balls to Jamar Chase, which is very fun to watch, though.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Do you have a, uh, like, a, a, you know, a mock for T. Higgins, a mock offer or anything like that?
0: Um, If you could trade maybe, like, a running back three and a a wide receiver piece, like – that's a good question that's probably something we need to contextualize a lot more when we're talking about trades um let me just look at my roster some guys i would trade i would honestly like maybe maybe someone like a dallas goddard if that team needs a tight end and maybe you have somebody else you can plug in on your tight end slot and like a melvin gordon or a some middling running back too that's not like flashy but somebody that you can you can make a case that he's a guy you can have in your lineup every week, someone like that. Um,
1: Melvin Gordon seems pretty fair given the disparity of running backs, startable running backs. And, you know, he he, he and Javante Williams seem to trade off weeks pretty consistently. Um, Doesn't seem to be getting phased out of the offense. So, yeah, I think that there are a lot of people that would trade a T. Higgins for a uh, Melvin Gordon or Melvin Gordon plus a piece.
0: Yeah, that's about what I would look for there.
1: Awesome, all right. You said wide receiver, so I guess I'll also do my wide receiver, and that is Kadarius Tony. And the reason I want to talk about Kadarius Tony is I was looking at the uh, the adjusted trade value chart, which is a great chart that someone produces on Reddit that takes, you know, kind of like expert consensus across the board, but also subjective consensus from people in, in the subreddit itself. So it it kind of combines like the experts, but also you know the public and what people are actually doing. Um, and his value on there was seven, which is incredibly low, like around people like Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon, Alex Collins. Um, so to me, like if if that's what you can get Kadarius Tony for, um, like, all right, on th- like it's funny because today on the day we record this podcast, Kadarius Tony tweeted some incredibly insensitive, tone deaf, short stated stuff about the Henry Ruggs incident and mm-hmm. that, coupled with training camp, holdout drama, rap albums, gen- his general kind of demeanor, he does not seem to be a super likable person. So, you know, like, we got, like, an unlikable, outspoken diva rookie wide receiver with extreme physical talents that's playing for the New York Giants.
0: I we not talking make- about OBJ there for a second. Yeah, I'm
1: not going to make those comparisons. But, look, in, in, like... As a person, I wish he was better, but as a fantasy football player, this is kind of what you want from your receivers. You want a little bit of that, like, diva, I'm on top of the world attitude. They need to think that they're the center of the earth so that, like, they pull in receptions by their sheer gravity. And uh, Tony has that attitude, and he backs people, backs it up on the field. Had his record-breaking game. Next game, he looks good on one drive, he gets hurt. Next game, he comes back from injury. does a beautiful pass looks good on a couple of receptions, gets hurt again. So obviously there's some glass cannon concerns with this guy because um, he has seemed to struggle to stay healthy th- throughout his rookie season. Not to mention, um, you know, if someone's watching him play, they might see an inconsistent rookie like Rondell Moore, who is, you know, mm-hmm. a high commodity a few mm-hmm. weeks ago and then has not really performed at all in the past couple of weeks as the Cardinals offense has come back to down to earth a little bit. And Kyler Murray has had injury concerns, um, so Giants are having issues with health, uh, but when Kadarius Tony is healthy, they want the offense to run through him. Even if Saquon's on the field, they're going to be using Tony. I think that'll even help Tony out by, you know, taking defensive pressure off him. Talent wins out, and I'm confident that Tony's the most talented receiver on that team. Maybe, I mean, Sterling Shepard's a good route runner, but also another guy who can't stay healthy. Uh couple other notes about Tony, if you're not convinced. PFF's second greatest, highest greatest rookie receiver on the season behind, of course, Jamar Chase. Five targets in a game returning from injury where he was literally a game-time decision. So it's like he came into the game not knowing if he's going to play, and then he got five targets. So I think uh, we're going to see that target share ramp up quite a bit if he's able to uh, play and stay healthy. I'm looking at his route tree right now. Concerned with Kadarius Tony coming into the season where that he was only going to run like gadget routes. You look at his ratchet, there's slants, curls, comebacks, out routes, post routes, dig routes. He's running all types of routes. His fantasy points per route run is 0.5 points, which is 24th overall for wide receivers. And that's on the entire season. So that's including the game where he had like two catches for negative two yards, you know? So, so you average that out across the season. Um, or the, his the last couple of games, it's much higher. Fantasy points per target one point eight. Again, that would be much higher. But he had a slow start to the season. Eighty eight percent snap share in that breakout game. Sixty one percent snap share in his first game back from injury. I think we can expect it to hover around seventy percent most games. Um, if you can offer to me like Miles Gaskin for Kadarius Tony and make that happen, I'm making that happen yesterday.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good good name to bring up. Somebody who is perceived as a running back on a team, like a starting running back that you don't have the utmost confidence in. But Kadarius Toney, like you said, is a very buy cheap opportunity right now. And he has plenty of upside on that offense. Um, all those receivers are dealing with nagging injuries at this point in the season. Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. So Kadarius Toney if when he's healthy is easily the best wide receiver on the field. And I think, yeah, like you said, we'll see a lot more of him in the game plans going forward while he's healthy.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. I think that about sums it up, but yeah, I just, just seeing his value on here was crazy to me. I mean, I I would probably trade, like we talked about Melvin Gordon for T Higgins, like Kadarius Tony for like Melvin Gordon for Kadarius Tony and some other kind of piece. Like that's another one I would make really easily.
0: Yeah, that's a good good point. Yeah, maybe you could get like an Alexander Madison back if you're the cook owner or something like that, or even like a Boston Scott if you need a spot start oh, in the next couple yeah. weeks. Yeah,
1: Khalil Herbert, because uh, whatchamacallit is coming back.
0: Um, David Montgomery.
1: David Montgomery's coming back. Maybe the Herbert owner knows he's not going to continue to see that level of work.
0: Yeah, it's a good name. And, yeah, from what we've heard from the Bears, it seems like that uh, Khalil Herbert will be the 1B the or at least – the next man behind David Montgomery when Montgomery does come back. So uh, Damian Williams is droppable. And yeah, unfortunately a lot of people spent a lot of fab on Damian Williams. I'm one of them. I spent like 80 fab on him in one league because I needed a running back for three weeks and I got one week and nothing. So yeah, very disappointing.
1: All right. Well, speaking of running back, who else do you have on your running back or who is your running back trade deadline target? I should say
0: so it's another buy cheap opportunity how you had Kadarius tony as being somebody who's probably undervalued for his upside going forward i believe that alex collins running back for the seattle seahawks is a pretty good value right now personally i don't think we'll see chris carson for the rest of the season he's dealing with a pretty serious neck injury that could alter the rest of his career and that's very unfortunate to see i hope he's healthy and doesn't you know doesn't miss out on life and his the rest of his career because of it but the reality is He's dealing with something that will linger for the rest of the season. Even if he does come back, I expect a high chance that it's you know he incurs a re-injury there. So, Alex Collins, not a super flashy guy. He's you know he's a backup for a reason. But I believe when uh, Russell Wilson comes back, this offense will you know perform a lot better. They'll sustain more drives, have more scoring opportunities. And Alex Collins' competition is Rashad Penny, who has perennially, perennially been a disappointment, and he does not look good in the touches he's getting. So he is splitting some work there, but I think Alex Collins is the clear better back in that offense, and uh, he's averaging four point one yards per carry, which is pretty decent. And I think just
1: and he looks you know, like
0: not you know
1: he doesn't look terrible yeah. when he's out. No, there. he
0: doesn't look bad. Yeah, he's got some good runs. He's not much of a playmaker per se, but he'll take what's there, maybe make a cut, make a guy miss, and get some get some yardage on every play. So. He's a guy you can buy low. I don't believe the person values him too highly unless they're counting on him to start every single week for their roster. In that case, it's probably hard to acquire him. But a lot of players acquired him on free agency for nothing. And maybe he's just clogging their bench and they don't care about him anymore. But I think his value will go up in the next three, four weeks probably by a considerable uh, margin. He'll probably be worth more than Miles Gaskin soon. And uh, uh, maybe even Khalil Herbert, probably close to a Zach Moss type. Not quite as much maybe, but that's about where i rank him.
1: That's a, that's a very good point um, or a very good name to bring up because, and also to contextualize that a little further, it's kind of like, you know, some of these names we're talking about are for the people that are at the top of the league to get, you know, maybe to like, you know, take a swing on an underperforming player. That's going to be like the final piece or something like that, or someone like a Darius Tony that, you know, has a ton of upside. Whereas I feel like Alex Collins, if, if you like need, if you're hurting and you're like in that middle, like you're, five and three, four and four, three and five area, and you need wins. Tony or Collins is someone that's like, yeah, like you said, not going to be highly valued by whoever has him and could be relevant the course of the season. So I like that name yeah. a lot.
0: I would trade like a Jalen Waddle or a Devonte Smith or Marvin Jones, uh, even like a Dalton Schultz. If you don't need him as your tight end, I think Dalton Schultz could take a step back with Michael Gallup coming back in next couple of weeks. So You know, there are plenty of moves you can make there, even if you want to get Alex Collins plus a piece and maybe you trade away someone like, I don't know, Tyler Lockett or Brandon Cooks, and you can probably get a a lesser receiver plus Alex Collins to replace that.
1: I like it. All right. My running back trade deadline target, and bear with me here, is Miles Sanders. And Oh, gross. (laughs) Oh, no. So if you're you're a team that's, you know, six and uh, two, seven and one, Um, If you're sitting on airs, you've made decisions well, you have depth, and you need a running back that's going to be crucial to your championship run, that running back is Miles Sanders. So the Philadelphia Eagles are an analytically driven young team that's figuring out what they're good at. The game tape of their 44-6 drubbing of the Lions shows a team with a strong offensive line that pushes down the field, creates gaps, Blocks downfield, left side of the line with Mailada and Landon Dickerson, just brutalizing blockers in space in the Lions game. And I think this also game really shows why like Miles Sanders has struggled to this point. So, one, there's like the lack of run ch- touches in the Eagles' first six games of the season. In those games, Sanders doesn't look good. He's not taking what's given. A hole for five yards opens up and he's bouncing outside instead of shooting through that hole. Instead of getting his team to second and four, second and five, he's trying to bounce outside, hit the home run play, gets tackled behind the line of scribbage. It's second eleven, uh, second and eleven. The offense is behind schedule, everything goes to crap. And he and I think part of that is him knowing that he had to make the most out of like whatever limited touches that he was getting. Come week seven, the game plan's different. They're hitting those runs early. Sanders is running aggressively downfield and then he gets hurt. But that trend continues into the game against the Lions, where tiny little Boston Scott and Jordan Howard, who was averaging 1.2 yards per carry last year on the Dolphins, are running all over the Lions, who, yes, it's the Lions. They're not good, but they played most teams a lot more competitively than they played the Eagles, which is just, just true. The Eagles smacked them down more than any other team this year, and they did it by running all over them. So to sum up, the Eagles are realizing their strengths and that the expected points added analytics are going to support the idea of a run-first attack, especially with a quarterback like Jalen Hurts. Miles Sanders was kind of getting into a rhythm. Now he has this period of self-scouting to see, like, you know, oh, yeah, Boston's just shooting that gap, getting 10 yards. Jared Howard's just shooting that gap, getting six yards. Like, that's what I need to do when I get back on the field. There's a chance that Miles Sanders is available on your waiver wire right now. That's how cheap you can probably get him for because people are just sick of it. He scored six points in every game and then he got hurt and he's on IR. So he's not coming back for another two weeks. And that, but just in time for the Eagles' schedule to really open up because they play the Giants twice the Washington football team twice, the Jets, the Broncos, all of these games are, are weaker matchups, which should favor the run game. Instead of the games where they've tried to had to pass to keep up against the chiefs and other teams, uh, you know, the Raiders, the, the chargers this weekend. So great playoff run asset that you can get for pretty much nothing. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, maybe Corey Davis, plus like the handcuff that the, that person needs, maybe even less than that, depending on how that person feels about Miles Sanders. So. That's my uh, Miles Sanders trade deadline take.
0: I think you made as compelling of a case as you could possibly make. Yeah, we hope to see the Eagles continue to run the ball because they ran it a lot this past game. They have not been running it a lot, and that was a major criticism of their offensive scheme. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely a buy low. He's injured, of course, so teams might not have the luxury of holding on to him. And it is a trade of luxury. I believe if you're in a winning position, you're probably the only teams that can really consider this trade. Yeah. Um, you want to be able to get into playoffs. So if you're on a fringe, you know, pursuit of that playoffs, you might not be somebody you can afford to trade for. But if you are top of the league, top three teams, he's definitely a guy you can add depth to your roster with pretty big upside for your playoff run.
1: Well, here's the thing. All right. So if your trade deadline is this week, obviously you have to make the trade now, but let's say like our, one of our leagues, it's week 11 and it's a couple of weeks away. Mm. Like the, the worst thing you can do on a trade like this is wait, because, Come week eleven, there's going to be like, hey, last minute trade deadlines. You should trade for Miles Sanders stuff because he's his value is going to shoot up, yeah. even not skyrocket, but it's going to shoot up closer to coming back from injury. And that's like a mistake that people, including myself, are always making: is not like trading for the player shortly after they get injured and waiting and to see the how the situation develops, because then you're not getting them at the discount you could be getting them for fair
0: point i don't hate it but it's definitely a trade i think uh, not everyone can make but i do support where the the consensus of your strategy comes from so
1: well listen at this point in the season it's really only winners that are listening to us uh because
0: everyone else, else is has lost up. interest yeah. <laughs> uh, all
1: right you got a tight end
0: I do. And it's, we're going back to the top of the board here. It is Darren Waller. I believe the Darren Waller owner besides speak one where Waller just had like 18 targets or something ridiculous. He's been a little underwhelming and he's been injured and then had a bye week. He's supposed to come back this week. He has a very, very good matchup against the giants and then the chiefs. Uh, so he's going to have a two strong weeks. I believe, especially with Henry Ruggs no longer on the roster there. Um, they are going to be relying on him and when he was injured against Philadelphia his backup Foster Moreau had uh, six receptions 60 yards and a touchdown so it's it's really just proof of concept that the tight end role on this team is very important and we saw that vividly last year when Taryn Waller just was amazing so I expect him to return to form a bit and um, win you some weeks here going forward and this is probably the only buy low opportunity you'll have for the rest of the season on his top tight end. Maybe you could argue George Kittle as well, but he's approaching, uh, he might be back this week. So uh, George Kittle is another name I think is important to mention here. Um, so if you have one of those Dalton Schultz kind of guys, or maybe Dallas Goddard, and you just add a little piece on top, you might be able to convince the Darren Waller owner that it's a trade they need to make. And I believe that it will support your team going forward as well.
1: All right. So Dane and I, as you know, we don't... Uh... You know, as long-time listeners know, we don't like send each other the list of names before this. So mine is also Darren Waller. Um, nice. So just to add on to Dane's argument, here are Darren Waller's targets for the first uh, six weeks of the season: nineteen, seven, yeah. seven, seven, eight, five. So very consistent. Uh, I mean, that nineteen is an outlier, but you got to. I mean, seven targets a game for a tight end—you can't really get that anywhere else. Uh, well, except Kansas City, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you really like seeing that out of Darren Waller, um, early in the season, even if those targets weren't necessarily translating to like the most productive games, but he was still a, a top scoring tight end just due to the nature of those positions. So yeah, I also wrote Schultz, Knox, or Fant plus a piece. The one uh, player I wanted to get your take on because, you know, he's pre- been performing so well, or at least is a top tight end. Currently, at this point in the season, is Mike Gasecki. Is that someone that you're not giving up to trade for Waller? Because I I believe he's the tight end three. (laughs) Yes, he is the tight end three on the season.
0: That is wild. Yeah. Honestly, I think I'm on the opposite spectrum of what you're saying. I think that as we see Miami's wide receiving core become healthier with Devontae Parker being heavily involved. Last week, I believe that Gasicki won't be as consistent as he has been the last uh, honestly five weeks. He's been pretty good. His entire career has
1: been very inconsistent, though. So that
0: exactly, it seems like we're always talking about Gasicki and fantasy football podcasts and stuff, where you know he's always a top streamer option or like a top candidate to add or trade for, and then he disappoints shortly after. And I think we've seen consistent disappointment from the miami offense this year whether it be jalen Waddle or miles gaskin or tua or just everything on that offense so i think he's a sell high candidate that i think he's the perfect player you can package for darren waller um it's the case can easily be made just pull up his stat sheet i mean the last six game the
1: tight end three come on
0: yeah 18 points in fantasy then 16 then 8 then 19 then 21 then 10 like it's it's as consistent as you can expect from a tight end with plenty of upside. So it's an easy case to make. He plays Houston this week, should be another big week. Maybe you can even make the trade after this week. Um, so They yeah, play I the think, Jets twice
1: still, I think. like I, do I think Miami that. has a pretty easy schedule rest of the way.
0: That's a fair point. So, yeah, I don't think he's someone you have to trade, but I think if we're talking about making a trade to the Aaron Waller owner, then he's a perfect guy that you can make a case to replace him as a weekly tight end starter. I like it.
1: All right. Um, so I imagine for quarterback, we might have uh, the same player too. Who, who's your quarterback?
0: So for me, it was probably Justin Herbert, how we mentioned earlier that he's probably as by low as you can get. And you don't have to break the bank on him. He's not like a probably not perceived as like a top five quarterback at this point in the season. But I believe that he could be the rest of the way. And he's just a weekly plug in play. Forget it. A quarterback and a good offense. I believe they'll iron out those kinks there. Um, Maybe have Aaron Rodgers and you need to pivot. Uh, you could make a trade for Justin Herbert. You don't have to pay too much. You know, you could trade Cortland Sutton plus Aaron Rodgers or something like that. Um, yeah, he's the name I'm looking at. Um, I'm curious who you thought would be our consensus, though.
1: Oh, I have Justin Herbert.
0: Okay, it was. Yeah, it was. yeah.
1: That's why I asked that question at the at the front of the episode because I was deciding between Mahomes or Herbert for this because they're two very similar, like. And we already outlined the differences between their situations, but they've had two bad weeks after, like, you know, like Herbert actually a little more boom bust because he had one week where he scored like 42 points and then he hasn't shined as much in other games. Um, and then Mahomes a little more consistent to start the season and then dropping off a lot more um yeah. in the past two weeks. So uh I guess you could say both of these names, but Mahomes has Mahomes has the a little. He he might be harder to pry out of the owner's hand just based on like the historical success. Where Herbert, someone might feel that's like a sophomore that they didn't quite bet right on. And you could trade a, I wrote a quarterback that's overperforming. So to me, some names are like like you said, Aaron Rodgers. I think Joe Burrow is playing great, but I think he's probably due to regress. I think that whole Bengals situation is due to regress. I think they're playing way over what we expected and Jamar Chase is great but you know it's hard to sustain down the course of the season and they are one of the teams I do suspect to you know regress a little bit closer to where they were at last year Um, and then I don't know if I would move Jalen Hurts for Herbert just because man that rushing floor is excellent but He's, he's definitely a name that to consider as well, because he, he, you know, he also has been, I mean, he's like the QB three or four, which is, you know, a ceiling that people may have expected. I mean, I certainly expected it because he was, you know, we talked about it in the off season that if he plays the full season and does what he did last year, he's going to be a top quarterback. But um, I don't know. Jalen hurts is just uh if you want to go talent over production, like potential production, just from the rushing aspect, Herbert is a good acquisition, so um, yeah, some, those are those are some other names that you could potentially parlay into a Herbert trade.
0: Yeah, and then I think another name worth mentioning is Russell Wilson. How we talked about buying low on an injury, um, you know, of course he could be impacted by his throwing hand injury. Um, I don't believe it'll be astronomical. I think that if you're going to make a move for a quarterback, he's probably the cheapest weekly starter you can buy right now, besides maybe like a Ryan Tannehill. But there are also questions in that offense without Derrick Henry. Uh, Very interested to see what happens Tennessee this week without Derrick Henry. First game of Tannehill's without him on that Tennessee offense. That'll be pretty key to tell going forward. But I think Russell Wilson is not going to miss a beat. Maybe he'll have a slow week back, but I believe that he'll iron out any kinks he has. He's very devoted to being successful, and that bodes well in his favor going forward. Uh, and the Russell Wilson owner definitely has another quarterback by now cuz yeah, he hasn't been able absolutely. to play him for like 4 weeks. So he's not relying on that guy week to week. A lot of these quarterbacks um the players have just been putting them in their lineup every week and forgetting about it. So they might not be pressed to make a move. But Russell Wilson is on somebody's IR slot or bench or whatever. And you can get him for next to nothing, like a Devontae Smith. If you're not starting these wide receiver four territory guys, Devontae Parker, Marvin Jones, Julio Jones, even a big name you can probably parlay to Russell Wilson, owner. Um, yeah, any of those guys, even like maybe they just need their handcuff running back for the playoffs, like an Alexander Madison or someone like that could be. And it's not name. like
1: Russell Wilson was lighting it up beforehand, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a good point. Like he's definitely someone to uh to target there because they've been living without him. And like like Miles Sanders, like the players that you know, there's a lot of players we could talk about. David Montgomery, um, because there's been a lot of injuries. So, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of read the landscape of your league, read who read who's doing well with players on IR, maybe target those players, situations like that. Um, but two two things to uh, get to before we get out of here today. Uh Dane. Aaron Rodgers, what a fucking asshole, right?
0: <laughs> oh, man, yeah. What a what a strange world we live in. So, yeah, for those uninitiated who might not have been paying attention to the news, props to you, first of all, because it's just been a drama-filled week in the NFL news cycle. But, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, test positive for COVID, is immediately ruled out for Thursday night. The questions are raised. Sunday. The, Sunday. why is he ruled out? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. He was ruled out before the Sunday night game, and he had plenty of time to accumulate two negative tests as his protocol. But turns out he is unvaccinated. Well, that's confusing. Everyone says because in the preseason he told reporters, "I'm an or so I'm immunized." So if you look up that word, it means you are vaccinated. And he is not vaccinated. He he elected for some homeopathic natural medicine. Immunization cures. treatment,
1: yeah.
0: So <laughs> I can only assume that means healing crystals up his butt or something of the nature. But uh, I yeah,
1: I mean, <laughs> rubbing mud over his skin, a pretty nice protective layer.
0: In a circle of candles with symbols drawn on the floor. Like,
1: ridiculous. Do not enter yeah. signs on chakras. Like, uh, who, who knows? Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. An oversight on his part. I mean, I'm not one to tell somebody how what they should put in their bodies or anything, but if you're telling the public that you're immunized and you're smart enough to know that you're deceiving people by saying that, that's, pretty, that's a convoluted situation where uh, a lot of questions are being rightfully asked about it. And I'm curious to see his response when he takes the stand.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, we've been flaming Carson Wentz and Kirk Cousins because they've been like, you know, putting their teammates at risk and putting their NFL seasons at risk and putting the general public at risk by not getting vaccinated and just being, you know, having that kind of anti-scientific mindset in general. But at least they, at least they were honest about it. At least they were, were like, yeah, yeah, don't guess what? I'm not vaccinated. So, uh, you know, don't come near me and stuff like that. Carson Wentz is out there wearing a mask on the sideline. Meanwhile, like <laughs> Aaron Rodgers was hosting jeopardy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like what? <laughs> yeah, that's honestly shocking. They let him do stuff like that, and yeah, a lot of the questions are around. Well, if he's unvaxed, was he following protocol? Green Bay says he was in their facilities, but he was not seen wearing masks on sidelines. Which I'm not even sure myself whether that is regulated on the uh, the NFL COVID protocols. But you know, he attended a Halloween party dressed as John Wick, and I believe that you're not supposed to do any extracurricular activities around your teammates, and that's Press probably breach of protocol. Yeah, without mask and press conferences. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that could come out of the situation. Uh, even m- potential suspension, I don't think it'll get that far, but I think I think, I think it'll two- be
1: Dr. Draft pick.
0: They could be, yeah, and yeah. at least a fine for him uh, personally. But yeah, it's yeah. interesting to see what comes out of this because it's getting so much publicity. And it, <laughs> here we go again with the narrative that is Aaron Rodgers a distraction? Well, uh, yeah, whether he well at to this be point, yeah,
1: like like I heard it ago. like he held his team hostage mm-hmm. the whole offseason, and everyone's like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers with the power move, and now that just makes him look so much worse because it's like so clear he's not. I mean, not that you have to be, like, a team player, you know, to, to go out there, but, like, that's what Tom Brady is, you know? So, like, that, yeah, that's what Peyton Manning was. It's just, uh, you know, for, for someone, for me personally, that was really coming around on the whole Aaron Rodgers thing after, like, he'd just kind of seen, like, a me jerk too, yeah. for yeah. years. It's like, no, we were right. There's a reason this guy's family doesn't
0: love him anymore. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's an enigma, honestly. he's He's just... He marches to the beat of a different drummer for sure. And here we are realizing that it, it, a little deeper, it goes a little deeper than we thought uh, talking about those healing crystals as well. And. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so
1: th- th- there's a dis- discussion to be had kind of like of, um, do you think Aaron Rodgers was just a pretty normal guy until he was like a multimillionaire best quarterback in the league? Or do you think he's always been kind of this way?
0: I think he's pretty true to himself in the way that he, he probably has always been like this. And now that, you know, people dissect his life in the media, being a multimillionaire face of the NFL kind of guy, then, uh, it, it kind of exacerbates everything. And, you know, you're living under a magnifying glass when you're in the NFL, especially player. His he's, caliber. he's just
1: like enabled by, you know,
0: his own play and his own wealth. Yes. He's, he's certainly feeling good about his accomplishments thus far. Um, <laughs> Yeah, what is true. it, like one
1: ring, if I, if I can count?
0: That is true. A yeah. lot of quarterbacks can't say that, but yeah, for sure. And Nick Foles can say it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Aaron Rodgers, about as good as Nick Foles. Uh,
0: uh, well, yes. Prob- <laughs> sure. What do you want me to say to that? Aaron, <laughs> right. Aaron Rodgers doesn't you have the best. You can find us <laughs> at Fantasy
1: Bible Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, this Sunday, YouTube Sunday, Mass 1145 am we'll tweet that link out uh you can join us ask questions line up start sits uh developing nfl news stories we'll get into that and uh yeah that's that's about it
0: thanks for joining us check out boomy bets hopefully he won again this week go jets go Mike Go
1: mike white